standing here, I'm nervous before God, first of all. Because this is His pulpit. It belongs to Him. And everything that I say from this pulpit uh, will go before Him. And I want to stand accountable to Him. And that makes me nervous all the time. I remember uh, just a few years ago in New Zealand, there was a, a gathering and there was young pastors there. And I remember vividly one of these young pastors came up and he says, I, I at last reached the point where I'm not nervous going up to the pulpit. And I'm standing there as the older man and I think, yes, you've reached that point, but I wonder how you feel about standing before God. So shall we get into the word? What is man? And everyone in this room at some stage in his life asked this question knowingly or not knowingly. What is man? The evolutionist will say tonight, man is monkey. Yes? Oh, your great, 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 great granddad was a monkey. So the evolutionist will say tonight to you, you're an animal. No wonder, dear friends, that people value themselves so low that they will just throw their lives away because I'm just an animal. Hey, look at the animal kingdom. It's survival of the fittest, isn't it? Are we animals? No, dear friend. I am created by the hand of God. Hallelujah. So the evolutionist tonight, if I ask him this question, and I say, Sir evolutionist, who am I? He says, you are a monkey. You're a descendant from that because evolution teaches us that. And we know it's a lie from the pit of hell. The economist will say tonight that man is revenue. Yes, it's how much revenue can produce. He will say people equals money. People's time equals money. And that's what you do. If you were like me, I'm working for a company. And what do they see when they see me? They see time. And they pay me for that time. So the economist will say to the question, man is revenue. The humanist will say, man is God. It's all about you. It's me, myself, and I. Three's company. You don't have to feel lonely. Don't feel rejected. You're in good company because you're in the company of me. And it's myself and I am going anywhere. The socialist will today say man is the product of the state. You belong to the state and we make decisions on your behalf. And look dear friends, I can go down with the list on and on and on. So what is the value of man? What is man? That's a very good question. In the Middle East, man to them today is nothing, is dispensable. You know that Job asked the same question? And he says, what is man that you should magnify him? Hallelujah. Job sat there and he asked this question. And that you should set your heart on him and visit him every morning, trying him every moment. So Job asked the question. And you know what's the answer that Job came up with? In Job 25 verse 6, he says, How much less man who is a maggot? That's what Job said. He said, Man is a worm, and the son of man who is a worm. So what is man tonight to you? If I ask you that question, what will your answer be? What is man? Well, I want to give you the biblical view tonight. Will you want to see that? 
the biblical view. Look, I'm not listening tonight to the evolutionists. I don't want to listen to the economists, the socialists, the issues, the issues, the all issues. I want to listen to what the Word of God says about man. And we find it in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. I love these verses. You know why? It's the creation of man. So let's have a look at it. He says, and God said, isn't it wonderful when God speaks? It is so final. God said, listen to me tonight. Many people may say a lot of things about you, but if God say, that is said. Amen. And God said, let us make man. The Hebrew for that word man is Adam. Let us make Adam in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the heavens and over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creeping, uh, creepers creeping on the earth. And God created man in His image. In the image of God He created him. He created them male and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the heavens and all the animals that move upon the earth. You know this part, don't you? That's how God created man, according to his image and to his likeness. You see, we are like God. We are created in His image. And you need to study the Word of God to understand what He said by that. Does it mean that we look exactly like God, like in the bodily form? No, the Bible says God is spirit. But how do you understand this? Well, in 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul writes this about man. Listen, he says, And may God of peace Himself sanctify you. The word sanctify means to be set apart. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's something interesting that we need to learn here. And that is that we've got a spirit, we've got a soul, and we've got a body. And Paul says that may you be preserved in those three areas. So when God created us in His likeness, who believe that God is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three. He made man in His likeness and His image. Body, soul, and spirit. You see, the difference here is we are what you call trichotonomous beings. And that's just a fancy word of saying there's three parts. You see, where does the, the evolutionists say that we are animals? No, we are not. Because animals are dichotonomous beings. That means two part. You and I have got a body. Yes, the animals have got a body. We've got a soul because the Bible say we became a living soul. The animals have got a soul because that's the blood going through them. If they, if they burst open, they bleed like you and me. But there's one thing they do not have, what you and I have, and that's the spirit. We are trichotonomous. We are three part in the likeness of God. So what is man? Paul will say tonight to you that you are much higher than the animals. You are not an animal. Praise the Lord for that. Now let's go to Psalm chapter 8. 
Because this is a beautiful psalm, and we'll find the question asked here as well. He says in Psalm chapter 8, verse 1, to the chief musician on the harp, a psalm of David, O Jehovah our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength because of the ones vexing you to cause the enemy and the avenger to cease. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have established. Listen, here we ask the question, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? What is man? For you have made him lack a little from God and have crowned him with the glory and honor. You made him rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and yes, and the beast of the field, the birds of heavens and the fish of the sea, and all that pass through the pass of the sea. O Jehovah our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And can you say hallelujah to that? Amen. God is so good. And here the psalmist, this is one of David's early psalms, and I can just envision how he took his father's sheep out into the field, and he was sitting there at night. He doesn't mention anything about the sun. If you've noticed, he speaks about the moon and the stars. So he goes out into the open, and he sits there, and he just looks up into the heavens. You see, there's two parts of the psalm, if you want to look at it. The first part and the second part. The first part before the question and the second part behind it, after it. And the first part talks about the littleness of man. And the second one about the greatness of man. You see, both of these things is important for you and me to realize and to understand. So the littleness of man is the earthly side of our human being, of who we are. That's the first part when he talks about this. He says that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings you've ordained strength. Have you seen a baby? The sucklings. And as they grow up, you see what the psalmist is trying to show us here is how little man is. And he uses this beautiful, he talks about babies here. And he says, you know what? Man thinks he's this strong and mighty person and the whole universe turns around him. Sometimes a lot of people feel like that, isn't it? Yes. It's again all about me. You know, I'm the centerpiece of this whole universe. Well, I've got news for you. It's not about you. But here he uses babies and what does he say? He says, these two you have ordained with strength. What? David, what are you talking about? Why? Because of the ones vexing you to cause the enemy and the avenger to cease. In, in other words, what he's saying, he says, I've given strength to the sucklings and so on to show you how little power man's got and how much God has got to despise the strength. And we saw this happening, didn't we, in Matthew chapter 21. You remember that passage there? He says, and when the chief priest, you know, the big ones, the strong ones, the theologians, and the scribes saw the wonderful things which he did, he just, he just made a blind man to see. When, when these people saw that, the scribes, what did they do? And the children crying in the temple, and what did the children say? Listen, it wasn't the disciples, it wasn't the strong men, it was the little ones who cried out, who son out to the son of David. 
That's what the little ones did. They cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. And what could those scribes do? What could those Pharisees do when, he did the, when those babes do that? Do you think they could go over and strengthenly remove them? No. It points back. You see, this is what I love about the Word of God. It just fits within one another. Amen. He says, look, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength. Because of the ones vexing you to cause the enemy. And then he goes on to verse 3. And I love this part because I believe everyone in this room actually experienced it. He says, when I look at your heavens, I feel so small. Is that you? I remember when I used to teach. And we had these field trips and we sleep over and we take the classes out there. And I remember vividly how one day we were walking into the field way out and we're going to sleep outside. So it's just in your back and you go out and you just find a spot under the stars. And lying on your back and you look into the stars. I started feeling so small, so small, the vastness of the stars. The beauty thereof. And I can see David lying there. And he says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have established. You know what he says? The first point there, he sees the feebleness of man. How strong are you? How strong are you? And everybody's looking at your arms and they go, wow, look at those guns there. But let me tell you something, friend. Your strongness today could be your weakness tomorrow. Absolutely. You're only as healthy as your last check at the doctor. And when you walk out of that place and he says, I don't want to alarm you, I just want to let you know we found this one spot. <laughs> you know, I went for blood tests just a while ago. I went for blood tests and they put the needle in and they took the blood out. Now, I was in the army. I'm not afraid of blood. I'm looking at it like that. I'm one of those guys. I'm not a, afraid of needles. You know, they say, big guys is afraid of needles. Woo, get that thing away from me. Or keep me. No, no, I'm one of those guys. I can take blood. So they took it. And I went back to work. And I was sitting at work and my phone rang. And it's the doctor. And that was the first time in my life that a doctor called me at work. When he said, I am Michael Stoby, I went, this is the doctor. And you know the first thing that comes up in your mind? He's got my blood tests. And the first thing that went out of his mouth, he says, don't worry, don't fear, nothing's wrong. <laughs> I just want to let you know that this is how this count is on this one thing. Just take that little white pill, take two for the next two days. Nothing wrong. But dear friends, we are so feeble, aren't we? We are so small. Do you know that your heart's beating every single second right now? And that beat is dependable upon God. You know, we sit here so strong and so haughty and so on. And if your heart beats two or three, if it, if it misses two or three beats, what becomes of you? You become nervous. You go, oh, I've got to go to the doctor. And I can see him lying there looking up there and he goes, How feeble is man? What is man? Feeble. Then we get these mighty men coming up and say, Oh, they are, they are the strength and so strong. 
So, so it's the first thing he's talking about is the feebleness, how, how feeble, how man can just die like that. We are not machines, dear friends. It's not as if you can take a battery and just change the battery, is it? No. The second thing that, he, that lying down there looking up into heaven is the limitations of man, isn't it? Do you know how limited you are? limited you are I mean they say yes we are so great we've seen the rocket up into into space and we landed on moon wow it's a small step for man but an enormous step for mankind I'll tell you what we've done we've done nothing have you seen the universe have you seen that and it says the glory of God is above the universe it's above the heavens how little and limited is man oh, we've got technology now these days and I reckon we're gonna have children in the 22nd century with thumbs as thick as, thick as that with all of these things they're going on with their thumbs I think that is the strongest finger in every young person's hands is those two fingers right there <laughs> And it's not to say it's all good, it, it, it's to say, look how good I can text. <laughs> but this is it, dear friends, we are so limited, looking up into the skies and looking at God, what He's got there. So the second thing is the limits of man. And then, what about the achievements? You know, man is so about his achievements. And I remember as a young boy, I grew up and I had all these, these sports stars, you know, they were so great men of their time. And you read the newspapers and, and you read, wow, this person did that. They are so great. And all of the achievements they did in life, where are they today? You see the achievements of man, what is that in comparison? In comparison with heavens. I live for tomorrow but I enjoy today. When he looks up into heaven, he sees the feebleness of man, the limitations of man, and the achievements of man. What becomes of that? Nothing. Is it going to matter who won the AFL this year? Is it going to matter next year? Is it going to matter in five years, in ten years' time? Let me ask the question, when you stand before the Son of God, is that going to matter? No. And then he asked the question, what is man in that passage? He says, what is man that you are thoughtful of it? Now I'm so sad it, it stopped because I wanted to show you something beautiful. In verse 4 he says, what is man? Now the Hebrew word for man there that he uses is the word enosh. And this is really interesting. In verse 4 he says, what is man? What is enosh that you are mindful of him? Now the word enos is for man which talks about his fallen state. So what is this man in his fallen state that God you, you think of him? And then he goes on to say, and the son of man. Now it's interesting when I studied that, when you look at the first word man in English and it repeats the son of man, he uses the word Adam, Adam. He says, what is enos that you are mindful of him and the son of Adam? that you visit him what is man you see the question tonight is not what is man the question is what is man God that you think of him that's the question and the son of man that you visit him and it is important to understand that God looks upon us and what is he seeing he wants to see salvation in us he made us in Genesis chapter 1 when he made Adam he made him perfect and then sin entered in. 
So if you look at these two words, one talks about Enos and the son of man, the son of Adam, who was born, like you said tonight, into that sinful nature. And, and you know, God could have said, look, I've had enough of man. I don't have to actually ask this question or let him be out there. I can destroy man. They sinned against me. So what is man? That you are mindful of him and that you think of him. There's two things that God do in this verse. First of all, God thinks of man. Isn't it wonderful? You are tonight on God's mind. He's got you on his mind. Somebody said it one day, if God had a wallet, and I don't believe in that, but if God had a wallet and he opened up, your photo will be in his wallet. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's a small child who told me that. She heard it somewhere else. And I said, that's so beautiful. Because for that child, she knew that God had her on his mind. He had you and me on his mind when he was hanging on the cross. How beautiful. What is man that God is mindful of us? I look up in heavens and I think, God, how big you are. I'm not even like a speck in your universe. Still God thinks about me. That gets me. That gets me. When people push you aside. When people say, look at you, there's nothing of you. Who do you think you are? My God thinks of me. That's important for me. Not only that, he says, the son of man, the son of man, the son of Adam, that you visit him. The first thing is that God thinks of me. And that's important. You need to take that tonight out of this place. You need to take it into your workplace, wherever you go. When you run into a difficult situation, know this. God thinks of you. Secondly, he visits you. Do you know that God is here tonight? Not only is He here, there's angels around the place. I've got enough proof in the Word of God. Not only is the angels, His Holy Spirit is here tonight. How wonderful tonight to know that what is man, feeble man, that God thinks of him and that God visits him. And listen, dear friends, there's the second thing. Now, the first one which I said is the feebleness or the, the weakness of man. The second thing which the psalmist talk about now from verse 5 up to verse 8 is about the greatness of man, his divine side of the human being. He says, for you have made him like little lack from God. Just a little from God. He says in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, He says, We were made in His likeness. Yes. And we sing the song, We are heirs of the Father, joint heirs with the Son. And here he talks about this, and I can see David, once he lies down there, and the realization comes upon him, he realizes how small he is. You see, this is the amazing thing. We need to die in ourselves before God can become strong in us. And you see it in the psalm. You see it in the first part. The weakness of man, and then he asks the question, he realizes that God thinks of him, and he visits him, and now... Now he talks about the race. He says, you've made him lack little from God and have crowned him with glory and honor. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep, oxen, yes, everything of the field, birds of heaven and everything of the paths of the sea. Now I know that there's people who say that this is Christ he's talking about. Yes, you can address that to Christ as well, as he says in the book of Hebrews. But he addresses you and me because David is talking here about feeble man. How wonderful to think 
that in man's origin, when God made us, He made us as His children, didn't He? We're a child of God. Listen, and I do understand that we were born into this world in a sinful nature, and, and, but still in that sinful nature, you were created. That baby that is born is created in the image and in the likeness of God. Not free of sin, but it is still an origin of God. We are created, we didn't evolve. That is the divine part of God, which He shows. Every birth of a baby is a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. God gives life. We see it in, a, the, in God's care. He cares for us. And, and not only does He care for us, He made us to rule over the earth. We are made to have dominion over the earth. The animals. Yes, we need to look after it. We need to protect it. Where, But listen friends, we need not to submit under it. Because God put those things under our hands. Not only that, it's the spiritual providence of God. Have you ever seen an animal? Have you ever seen a sheep? Stand there in the field. Fall down on the knees. Lift up to heaven and start praising God. Bear. Bear. Listen, they do not have that capacity. But you and I do have that capacity. Or a cow in the field. Moo. They move because God made them like that, dichotomous being, but there's no inch in them who can look up into heavens and say, We praise you, Lord God Almighty. They cannot do that. And this is the greatness of God which is put in what is man. You carry within you, dear friends, the likeness and the image of God. Not to be arrogant about it, but it's His spiritual providence. And then the ultimate gift. This is the wonderful part. What does He do with the ultimate gift? That's of salvation and it belongs to man. 1 John chapter 5 verse 11 And this is the record that God has given to us everlasting life and this life is in His Son. How wonderful is that? Amen? Amen. Two parts in the psalm. I love the psalm. You know, the psalm is beautiful. I want to challenge you actually tonight. You know, I want you to take five psalms every day in a month and read five psalms and one proverb. And you'll find you'll read through the book of psalms in a month. If you take five psalms and one proverb. And once you finish this month, next month do it again. Take the psalms again, read five psalms and one proverb. There's 31 proverbs you'll get through in a month. If you read the psalms by five, you'll get through in a month. And do it again. And do it again and again until you've done it five times. And I'll tell you, dear friends, the Psalms will bless you so much. You know, your, your prayer life will be enriched. Amen. Your spiritual walk will be enriched. The Word of God will live in your heart. It's a living organism. It will direct your footpaths. It will make you understand the glory and the honor and the blessing of God upon your life. You will see life like none before. Just do this. Just take on the challenge. Just do that. You know, it's half month. Wait until next month if you're a little bit lazy. But, you know, start next month. On the first. 
And, and, and you will come to Psalm 8. And you know what's going to be the nice thing? You're going to read it five times. And you're going to remember this sermon. And you're going to see the weakness, the meekness, the feebleness of man. And then how David came to that point, And then the divine nature that God plays. Listen, we are not small gods walking around. I'm not saying that. But listen, He has made us into the image and into the likeness of them. Of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to finish off tonight to read to you another psalm. And listen how beautiful he's talking about you in this place. Listen, this was written, this was written to you tonight. How special are you in God's eyes? What is man? I'm not an animal. I'm not revenue. I've got more value. I find my value in Jesus Christ. Psalm 139. To the chief magician, the psalm of David, O Jehovah, you have searched me and have known me. You have searched me and you know me. Let me tell you one thing. God knows you better than you know yourself. I'll repeat that. God knows you better than you know yourself. And sometimes we go through a difficult time and God allows that difficult time in your life and you know why he allows it it's not for him to see how you're going to react you know let's let, let him go through that difficult thing and see how he reacts I want to see what he's going to do no 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 God allows you to go through that so that you may see how you react he already knows how you're going to react but he wants you to see how you're going to react now he says this, he says, You search me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You see, even before you started thinking about something, he knows. How wonderful is God? You search my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Jehovah, you know it all together. Even before I said the next sentence, He knows that. How wonderful is God? He knows you. He searched you. He knows what you're thinking right now. You're starting to doze off and go, Oh, how long is this going to take? Oh, he knows that. <laughs> and, and you know what's the confidence I take out of this? You know, I get on an airplane, I fly a lot. And sometimes you get up there and there's a few bumps in the air, a few potholes. And I want to talk to the government and ask them to go and fix those potholes, but it's a little bit, you know, far out for their finances. But, you know, you get up there and you look at this plane, you think this thing can fall any moment. But I'm not worried, dear friend. Why? Because He knows me. He knows where I am, and I'm in His perfect hands. Verse 5, you have closed me in. You've closed me in. How is it if a mother takes her children and she closes them in, Angeline? Isn't it beautiful? And you know what the child thinks? I'm safe in the arms of my mom and my dad. He closes me in behind and in front. And laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot go up to it. Where shall I go? from your spirit away shall I flee from your presence if I go into heaven you are there if I make my bed in Sheol that means down in the earth behold you are there 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the furthest part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light around me. Yet the darkness does not hide from you, but the night shines as day as it is the darkness, so is light to you. Beautiful. Poetry. But it's not. It's the word of God how he cares for you. Where can you go away from the spirit of God? You cannot. So, you know, there's a child that was lost recently. He's not lost. God knows where he is. And then finally, verse 13, he says, For you have possessed my inward parts. You've possessed my inward parts. You've covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your work are marvelous, and my soul knows it very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully formed in the lowest parts of the earth. God knows. Now listen to this. Your eyes saw my embryo. You see, I'm one of those still who believe that abortion is murder. It's right here in the Bible. It's said it right there. Your eyes, O God, saw my embryo. And in your book all my members were written the days that they were formed, and not one was among them. How precious are your thoughts on me, O God. How great is the sum of them. He talks about a book here. And he says in this book my parts are written down. Do you know about the books? One day maybe I'll come and preach about the books. There's a register book of life. He's talking about that. Every person in this world's name is written when the embryo is formed in the register book of life. Then there is the book of life. Yes? Nobody can be lost. There will be a roll call. And you will appear either before the beamer seat of Christ or you will appear before the white throne. That's a different message. So tonight, dear friends, he finishes with verse 23. Search me, O God. We know the song. Search me, O God. He says, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if a wicked way is in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. The Lord bless his word. So what can we take away from here? What is man? What is man tonight? Who are you tonight that God think of you and that He visits you? David asked that question. Job asked the question as you saw and he says man is a maggot and he's a worm. But when God visited Job, he says, oh Lord, who am I to ask this question? You see, he asked a lot of questions and then God started to speak and Job couldn't talk anymore. <laughs> oh, oops. Dear friend, man is weak, is feeble. Yes, we shouldn't stand up and say, Oh, we are so almighty. No, we are not. We understand that. But also we understand that God has placed so much in you. Listen, He sent His Son from glory to become a man like you and me. To come and live amongst us. And I'll give you a beautiful illustration. In South Africa, they plow the grounds. And a man was walking through these fields and he saw this ant heap. You know where all the ants are coming in and out. And he looked up and he saw a tractor coming. 
plowing this ground and he knew for this ant hill the end is nigh it's coming because that tractor is coming right for this ant hill and he and he thought i better warn these ants i better tell them there's danger coming and he stood there up and he says whoa you ants you better go deep into the ground there's a tractor coming how many ants looked at him not one he thought, I, I better get on my knees. So he got on his knees and he shouted louder. He said, why? You aunt, you better watch out. There's a tractor coming. Destruction is coming. How many still nobody? And then he lied down flat on his stomach and he shouted into that hole. He says, you better go in. You're going to die. How many looked around? He says, only the ones which his breath pushed over and they looked up what's going on here. And then he realized... I need to become an aunt. And I need to go and live in amongst them. And I need to speak aunt so that they can understand my language. And then I need to warn them and say, look, there's a tractor coming. We better go in. But will they listen? They'll say, you're crazy. Who are you? Born of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And he kept on warning. And he kept on warning. And dear friends, I want to tell you tonight. Listen to me. Listen to my words tonight. The end is nigh. We see it around us. The Bible talks about it. It is coming. I want to, I want to warn you tonight. Go deeper into Christ. Go deeper into Him. He sent His Son. And He died for us on the cross. Why? What is man that you think of Him? And man, the Son of Man, that you visit him. May the Lord bless his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you tonight in prayer, Lord, you've laid this passage on my heart by invitation, Father, but I pray and thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. And I've said many things tonight. I just pray and I trust in the Holy Spirit, Lord, that the right things for the right hearts were said tonight. That nobody can go out of this place void of understanding. So Father, I want to thank you tonight that you are mindful of us. And Father, I want to thank you tonight that you do visit us. Thank you Lord that you give us an understanding of how weak we are. But when we are weak, you are strong. 